Hello. Thank you for tuning in to Salad, the AdWorks podcast. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, AdWorks is a student-run advertising agency on ASU's campus, and this is a new project we're doing. It's a podcast. Surprise! This is episode four. Uh, my name is Zach. I'm a copywriter within AdWorks, and with me here, as he is every week, is Trent. Hello. How are you doing, Trent? I'm good. How are you doing, Zach? Good. Nice. All right. So we're going to try and keep this one a little bit shorter. Um, but Trent, I've been a pretty crappy AdWorks member for the last two weeks. Well, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've missed a couple meetings. So I'd like to start out by having you go over what we've talked about the last couple of meetings. I know we had a couple guest speakers come in. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then we actually won some awards in the Addies. So it's been an exciting couple of weeks. So it'd be cool for you to touch on yeah, kind of how those definitely. meetings have been in my absence. Um, well, we didn't miss you. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so we had a couple guest speakers come in from the agency off Madison Ave, and that was a lot of fun. Um, they're from the media department, mm-hmm. so they just kind of talked to us a little bit about media and all of that kind of stuff. And so for those of you who don't know, media is essentially um, people make an ad, and then the media is how you place it, where you place it, why you place it. Um, so if you're seeing it on TV, if you're seeing it on a billboard, the media department, media team is kind of everyone that goes in and focuses on that. So they just offered us some kind of insights from their careers so far. Mm-hmm. And it was good because that's something that we don't really have an option to learn too much about at ASU. So it's always nice for people to learn about that kind of facet of an agency, right? Um, and yeah, also, this was a couple of weeks back, but we did um, win five uh, American Advertising Awards, Woo! otherwise known as the <laughs> Addies, um, at the uh, Ad Club Awards show uh, a couple of weeks back now. So that was a lot of a lot of fun. We um, won our first gold too. First gold this year. Heck yeah, dude! Um, and so for those of you who are interested, uh, we created an AdWorks brand film, mm-hmm. um, essentially to go over you know what we are and to kind of increase interest in joining, yeah, right? Definitely. To show oh, you know what it was to show that you don't necessarily have to just be creative. You can be the analytical side too, and shows how AdWorks marries the two of them. Yes. So it's great. Um, and we won a silver and a bronze for that, and then. We also had some work we did for PepsiCo a while back that won uh, bronze as well. Um, we had a billboard for the Can-Am 500, which won bronze as well. Mm-hmm. But to top it all off, we had an anti-opioid campaign that we did for one of our agency partners um, last fall that won gold. And so that will be moving on to the district round of the competition. Um, and so that was really exciting. Yes. So exciting. And it's it's definitely pleasing to know that the work that we're doing is actually getting noticed. And so props yeah. to everyone in AdWorks, um, props to everyone on those teams and everyone that helped contribute to it because it is really a nice feeling to, to be recognized, especially sitting in the room with some of the other people from these agencies that we've partnered with and, and oh, being yeah. recognized in the Phoenix ad scene. And seeing is, all is the nice. work they're doing, it's like yeah. to be on the same stage, it's awesome. Um, it's really awesome. So definitely an exciting couple of weeks that we've had yeah. over the past two weeks while I've been gone. Apparently all the fun stuff happens when I'm not there. That's what I was going to say is I'd say don't <laughs> show up more because it seems like we enjoy ourselves a little more when you're not. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but moving right along, um, we're going to talk about our favorite ads of the week, one of our favorite segments that we haven't gotten to do in a while yeah um why why is that were you, were you gone or something? i was gone yes <laughs> i was gone for a couple weeks okay we get it anyways i'm gonna start by talking about an ad created by an agency called seven bucks creative this was their oh. first campaign and the agency is owned by none other than Dwayne the rock johnson love it yes what an amazing guy um so he apparently is interested in advertising and started an agency a few months ago i believe the headline was late last year i don't remember for yeah, sure it was, um, back in september back in september okay so yeah and he, he founded it with um his business partner danny garcia and they kind of went in on this advertising agency together and their first campaign came out this week naturally the agency owned by the rock made an 
ad featuring The Rock about a product that The Rock made in association with Under Armour. So The Rock is just all the way through this campaign, which is kind of funny. He's the bedrock of the campaign. <laughs> He's the bedrock of the campaign. But I really just wanted to touch on the fact that this this is the first campaign for this agency, and it looks like they could have an exciting future. Um, the Rock obviously is a huge name in almost every facet of pop culture right oh, yeah. now. Um, and the fact that he started an advertising agency is only going to heighten that career. It's yeah. very interesting. And it's funny to see those those like alternate passions that these people have because you wouldn't expect that to happen. Right. But in a way, it kind of makes sense. I remember reading last September when they first announced that he was making this agency. Uh-huh. Um, I remember reading about how he transitioned from wrestling to movie star and kind of oh, how right. he had to rebrand himself completely. So yeah. he... He has so experience. He, he knows about it, yeah. Yeah, he has okay. experience with branding and 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 rebranding himself in, in many senses. But this ad was focused on the Rock's collaboration with Under Armour. They have a new line of workout gear coming out. Um, and this ad was showcasing that new line of workout gear. And yeah. it, basically it was, what, 30 seconds of The Rock just yeah, working out, spot. just flexing his muscles and looking like <laughs> a badass. Like, honestly... Absolutely ridiculously amazing to watch The Rock just do that for that long. I'm sold. Um, exactly. I'm sold right away. And I'm a big fan of The Rock, so maybe there's bias here, but I absolutely loved it. And that is absolutely why I loved it. The fact that it was his agency yeah. and his product and him was just amazing. Well, and it's, it's interesting too, right? I mean, you have Under Armour, which uses a bunch of different agencies, but then here's The Rock saying, hey, you know, we'll create our advertisement for our collaboration on our own. And it's very interesting, like... It's a very smart, I guess, campaign in the sense of it's a short spot using him in a gym that he goes to with his clothes, all of that stuff. He's narrating it, right? So automatically the costs are already down on that. And then he's pushing it out to his social channels, and that's mm-hmm. how this ad will be seen. And you might be like, well, okay, but you'd think you'd want to spread that more so more people would see it, right? Mm-hmm. And I was surprised, like, this makes sense, but I was also surprised to be like, holy cow, okay, Dwayne The Rock Johnson has 172 million followers on yeah, social. which is huge. So it's not like this ad is not going to be seen, <laughs> right? And so obviously they'll have to pay to push it, you know, push the content mm-hmm. out. But it's, it's very interesting. I was like, okay, that's a, a kind of a cool, like, new way of advertising in a sense. It's a very, like, meta-influencer campaign in yeah. a sense. So I thought that was kind of fun too. Yeah, and I like just how invested he is in this. Like, yeah. there are plenty of celebrities that start new ventures and it's clear that they're just starting these new ventures to rake in more money. Right. But... It seems to me like The Rock is actually very interested in this agency. The fact that he is the star of the first campaign. Granted, there couldn't be more of a perfect match between him and his product. Other but than the fact Rock. that he, <laughs> <other> than, <laughs> but the fact that he is the person that that decided to um, be the star of the show yeah. and be the star of the ad and really invest in being a part of the first campaign that they're creating well, shows that he it's cares. It's cool seeing you know him on the mean? ground floor. Exactly. Yeah. And it's cool sh- seeing him in this kind of new light. He's such a high-profile movie star that you usually don't see yeah. that large of a star investing in commercials that often. Sometimes well, they and, do. And it and depends. And it feels genuine because it's his product, right? Exactly. You exactly. I mean? Like, he's not trying to sell something else. You know? Yeah. So um, that was definitely really awesome for me to see. And, and like I said, I just love it because I love The Rock. And oh, there's yeah. that. There's another ad or series of ads that came out recently that uh, have done a transition from having a spokesperson such as The Rock to having your everyday person be the mm-hmm. spokesperson, uh, which I thought was interesting. That was Dos Equis. So for those of you who don't know, um, Dos Equis has teamed up now with Droga5 after being with Havas for a number of years. And uh, their previous agency uh, used Jonathan Goldsmith to create the um, 
you know, I don't always drink beer, guy, the but when I do, I drink Dosecchi's, in the world. aka the most interesting <laughs> man in the world. So those ads were amazing, but something interesting that it came from this that I was reading in Adweek was that um, Dosecchi's felt like the focus became too much on the man and they needed to bring it back mm-hmm. to the product. Um, so what came of this was actually a pretty smart series of ads where it feels exactly like you are watching the Dos Equis man. He's just not in the room. He's just mm-hmm. out doing other fun yes. things, right? Um, and so it focuses on keep it interessante. Mm-hmm. And the reasoning is that only one man can be interesting, but you know anyone can be interessante. Yeah. And so it's a bunch of different fun ads about you know tall tales and exaggeration, how that makes the story better. Um, so one of the ads uh, since 1897 talks about how they came into being and it uses that tall tale theme. And it ends with, you know, talking about how if you don't believe us, ask our founder Lou Ferrigno, right? Who uh, was like the original Hulk and all that kind of stuff. Just this just ripped dude, like a black and white sepia kind of photo at the end that's just like, wait, what? Uh, there's one with Abe Lincoln, how he had a beer in his hat, and that's where he wore the top the hat. Beer hat. And it's like, you know, you see some looking through a telescope to find the flag on the moon, and so they see the Dusecki six pack. It's just like. Just funny it's stuff. It's just funny. Just quirky, it's just funny stuff. Exactly. And it fits perfectly, right? It still feels real and genuine yes. with that campaign. But yes. now the focus is on the beer instead of a person, which yes. I thought was a pretty interesting transition. Of course. And, and one thing that I really wanted to point out is the fact that they chose to keep the same music again. Yeah. The yeah. same song has permeated through all the iterations of this campaign so far, from The Most Interesting Man to The Replacement Most Interesting Man, I believe they still use that song in some of them not certain but i um, think they probably. might have I'm sure. um and now even if they didn't now they brought it back and it's yep. it's such a recognizable song like to me that song <laughs> yeah. is just as recognizable as the most interesting man in the world was and this is coming from a person who that is honestly and truly my favorite campaign that i've seen in my lifetime yeah it is it's good it is 100 <laughs> i remember watching those commercials um, and just dying laughing. Like they were an oh, event. Yeah. They would come on and I would come <laughs> out of my room to, to listen to the new commercial that my dad was watching and, and hear what the most interesting man in the world was up to. So it's nice to, to have that sort of nostalgic feel with the music. And, yeah. it, and it's very clear that though the most interesting man in the world is gone and no longer, he, well, he's on Mars now. He's no yeah. longer on this planet. But Elon, Elon will find him. <laughs> Elon will find him first. Bring exactly. him back. <laughs> um, but just knowing that that even though he's gone and the the campaign has taken a new route yeah. to to kind of have that it tie still has in the same spirit. is is awesome and it and it it really helps me obviously like these ads and and like you said they are very funny but just that music is so synonymous with yeah. the brand and with the campaign and it kind of it kind of makes the ad in 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 a way for the original ones it was a it was a huge factor oh, yeah. um and hearing it in these ones again immediately just puts you back in that moment and puts you back in that same sort of headspace when you're watching these and it's just awesome and i thought it was interesting too i didn't really realize this you may have already known this but i guess when those original dos equis ad launched uh they originally focused only in the southwest uh (laughs) and then they became such just they blew up over here right in arizona new mexico Mm -hmm. texas all that and then they became this phenomenon that it was like, okay, now everyone wow. is seeing them. Let's expand it out. And That's so interesting. I, yeah, I thought that was very interesting, too. They probably thought, like, oh, it'll really hit home with yeah, these well, Especially because we're closer to Mexico. Like, it makes yeah, sense. Exactly. That's, like, smart strategy there. Yeah, and, and media placement. But the fact that it was, <laughs> it was so good. Like, gosh, <laughs> that campaign will... Oh, it's going to be so hard to talk that in my oh, book. Yeah. Like, it is just so funny. The one-liners, especially as a writer, like, the one-liners <laughs> yeah. in that original campaign are hilarious yeah well that was the thing too the one-liners in this were pretty good too which mm-hmm. was surprising it was I, I encourage you to check them out um you know just dos Equis, keep it interessante just give that a google you'll be able to find the Adweek article find um and they're they're just they're amazing um and kind of moving on to the next section here 
uh, we like to talk about something new in the industry or something mm-hmm. we've learned about recently. Um, there's this article in Adweek um, a couple days ago, I think, talking about um, the video streaming content and how that's blown up and how businesses in there compete with each other. Uh, I thought that would be something interesting for us to talk about today. Um, so just to give you kind of a quick overview, um, with video streaming becoming so competitive now, you think about Netflix, YouTube, Hulu, Amazon, um, I'm sure there's many others, mm-hmm. right? Um, they've essentially fought with each other so much now that they've beaten TV. I think yeah. last year, online streaming was more prevalent than actual TV watching. And since that point, they've just been fighting each other. And so the article talks about how these companies will continue to fight um, and differentiate themselves through contextual mm-hmm. recommendations and experiences, um, encouraging joint and social viewing, um, interactive content, and then providing simplified experiences through their you know user interface and kind of design yeah. experience. Um, thought those were kind of interesting. Um, just to kind of dive into them here, um, 50% of all video is consumed on mobile devices, and something the article talks about is how if you can push out... Um, you know, recommendations. So say Netflix knows that you're watching on your iPhone as opposed to your TV, right? Um, they can say, okay, so this person is watching a smaller screen. Let's push content that's better suited for that kind of that movement. smaller screen. And then if they could look at it and see what time of the day you're watching it and where you're watching, even if you have location services. And this mm-hmm. isn't something I don't think Netflix is doing now, but it's something that they could do in the future. Um, so you have your location services on too, so Netflix can see when you're watching it, where you're watching it, and what device you're watching it on. Mm-hmm. Say you're on the subway commuting to work, trying to watch a shorter video, right? Netflix could then, at the top of your feed, recommend um, shorter little comedy bits or shorter little news yeah, segments, right? Finish in the time. Exactly, the and even like you know, news apps could use this as well, right? To watch yeah. videos through that. Um, and that way they're engaged with your app and watching that content. Because mm-hmm. no one really wants to start like an hour-long episode and then be like, mm-hmm. I'm going to get there and then I have to through. wait, right? Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting. That's crazy. And yeah. Especially, it's just fascinating to me how competitive this marketplace has gotten mm-hmm. so quickly. Like obviously they've ran, uh, they've gained a lot of prevalence in the last couple years and and really blown up. And there are, there are a bunch of different players right now. Netflix has kind of been king for a while. At least Who's content gaining king, ground? Right? At least content, content king for sure. I think they had 200 new series yeah, launched last year. Yeah, crazy. Week. Like the amount of work yeah. that is being produced and the amount of content that is, that is being pushed out by just Netflix. And then you take into account Hulu and Amazon and yeah. YouTube and all of the other players. It's it's crazy. And it's, it's wild to think that we're already getting to the point where they're so hyper competitive in that market that they really need to focus on differentiating themselves in those ways. Even though we, right. it feels like we just got to this point of them well, gaining and it's, prominence. It's funny too because right in my mind, Netflix is differentiated as Stranger Things, mm-hmm. and Hulu is Seinfeld. Yeah, right. But it's funny to see like, for not your average Joe who's just watching those two shows, like really how competitive they have to be, which I didn't even realize. Yeah. And it, it sounds like based off of what this article is saying, it's it's really all about you know, and and this is, in a way, obvious, but it's really all about simplifying the consumer experience and making yeah. it easier for the for the consumer or for the viewer to to have a great experience on your platform. Exactly. A lot of these things talk about like you just mentioned um, targeting content so that it's better suited for where you are, when you're watching it, who you're with. Mm-hmm. Um, and that can be so helpful, a little creepy at times and that's going to be interesting to see yeah. how they navigate the 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 fact of them knowing and the consumer knowing that Netflix knows that you're sitting at home versus on the train versus at work or wherever you may be. Yeah. Um, but if they can do it in a non, 
abrasive way and they can push this content and say, hey, we noticed that this would be more helpful for you at this time or you would have a better time watching this now as opposed to later yeah. can can really differentiate them from the other competitors. And that is an interesting race that we're going to see happen. It is. And you bring up a good point about the privacy aspect of things. There's an, a very interesting um, law called Clark's Third Law um, that essentially says that sufficiently advanced technology appears as magic. So you have this thing of like, Facebook knows what I'm listening to and what I like and all this, and Netflix always knows what I want to watch, and it just can come across as creepy. Mm -hmm. So it's important to really make sure that you're providing the value. Um, this is something that interests me a lot. I'm actually working to do my thesis on it, and hopefully that'll get approved soon. Um, and there are studies that say like as long as consumers like the company and feel like they're actually getting benefit from giving up that info, they don't care how they use it, which is a little mm -hmm. scary, same yeah. time a little interesting. Um, but you can actually run into problems with this. And so it's it's curious to see, obviously with Netflix, Hulu, that doesn't matter as much, but there's these kind of two different processes of like pushing content and pulling content of exploitation versus exploration. Mm -hmm. um, and exploitation is kind of like what Netflix does where they take what you've liked to watch in the past and they're going to push you recommendations based off of what they think you'll like based on your previous like preferences. So essentially it's exploitation in the sense that it's easier, right? Mm -hmm. It's giving you what you'll already like mm -hmm. and it's kind of keeping you in a bubble with TV shows that doesn't really matter, but consumers could get a little disappointed if they're not able to try new things, right? Because yeah. they're always getting pushed all this new content. Um, the exploration side of things you could think about is your Spotify daily mix. It's a little bit of a simplified example because they're still taking user preferences, right? Yeah. But they are pushing new songs to you for you to try out and listen. You can tell them if you don't like it or not. Mm -hmm. um, and that can kind of put people in a bubble. It can also make people disappointed with the service if they're getting, say, songs they don't like. And they're like, well, Spotify yeah. service doesn't work, right? It sucks, yeah. Um, so it's an interesting process. There's a very fine it's, balance there that it's just it's a like it's the more you dig into it the, like the deeper down the rabbit hole you get yeah it's definitely a fine line to walk and 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 you kind of just nailed it on the head but like there is such a small sweet spot in between yeah. coming off as too targeted and creepy mm -hmm. and coming off as not targeted enough and losing that consumer and and it's so hard to just nail it right in that sweet spot yeah um and it's it's almost like mind reading in a sense because every every consumer it's is going like to be magic. different it's like magic. But yeah. you know what I mean? There are there are some consumers that are totally okay with giving up some of their privacy and they mm -hmm. think these things are awesome. And right yeah. away they'll be like, yeah, if it if it benefits my life in some way, I have no issue giving up my uh, my information or, yeah. or my location services. Um, and then others who don't really want to do that at all, who are not trusting of the technology yet yep. and they really get nervous when they see that this company knows so much about them. Mm -hmm. And it's it's hard enough to find that sweet spot but it's also incredibly difficult to to recognize how that sweet spot differs from person to person and from location to location and and all of these different factors that go into this is is staggering and the the fact that they're approaching this and 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 trying to tackle it head on is is very exciting but it's also going to bring up a lot of questions and i'm sure there'll be a few well, slip ups yeah, and, especially and stuff, stuff like forward. cambridge analytica and all that going mm -hmm. on right now it's like the privacy and information sharing aspect of this stuff will be very closely watched. Mm -hmm. um, and I think, you know, again, with stuff like Netflix, Hulu, it doesn't really matter, right? Because TV preferences. Yeah. But if you think uh, like a CNN pushing video content out, right, that's news-based. And so um, using that kind of information and you think about tying that into, say, an exploitation part where it's only pushing news stuff that, you that like they would like to listen to, then people are kind of getting put in a bubble because they're only watching one side of an opinion. Yeah. And exactly. also then CNN, for example, would know everything about that, right? And it's still anonymized, but say something happens where it becomes 
unanonymized, then there's a problem. So it's a really interesting topic. Um, the other part of it, right, as far as we talked about the contextualization of, of the experience, the other part I found interesting was the joint and social viewing. Mm-hmm. Um, and this makes sense, right? The amount of times that freshman year I found myself uh, not doing homework and being stuck watching Friends or Parks and Rec. <laughs> like, I understand it, but apparently only 34% of the people that are watching this kind of streaming uh, television, if you will, are watching it with multiple people, which I thought was very mm-hmm. interesting. Because um, you think TV is typically more of a shared experience, um, but here we're just all kind of binging until the wee hours of the night, right? <laughs> um, but the downside of that for brands is apparently there are studies that say or suggest that viewer engagement with like the content that you watch as well as like the ads you're given during that time actually goes up if you're watching with multiple people. Yeah. And it, there's got to be a cutoff on that, right? Like if everyone's in a room like a Super Bowl, you're probably not as... Focus. Know, focused, right? Yeah. But if there's like one or two people, you can kind of laugh about the ads and talk about them. And so the struggle for, it doesn't matter as much with Netflix, right? But for Hulu, for example, their focus definitely has to be on how can we get multiple people in the room watching our content mm-hmm. so that we can be viewed as a better um, space for companies to purchase ads. For in. advertising. Yeah. And so what you've seen Hulu do recently, the last year they started doing some live TV. And for example, now they're doing live sports with March Madness. March Madness. They're doing sports and TV, right, to try and get multiple people in the room watching those mm-hmm. and serving ads, right? And and so it's very curious to see what companies will continue to do with that. I could see almost Netflix becoming essentially the HBO yeah. of the future streaming programs, while Hulu and those types of services become the future TV, yeah. right? Because Netflix is more focused on the content than the ad serving, mm-hmm. um, and they use the info to push their content. But stuff like Hulu, you know, it'll be very in YouTube too. It'll be very interesting to see how they how they go with it from there. Yeah, I one hundred percent agree, and it's it's interesting to see how these different services are differentiating themselves in that way too. Like yeah. Netflix is content king right now, and, right. and Hulu obviously didn't want to take that route, and they've invested more into like let's let's add these live experiences. But yeah. they're all trying to compete for space, and and as these streaming services start to gain prevalence and, and take over TV, they're all starting to come up with these different ways to to make that experience more enjoyable and to, to get all of the features on TV wrapped up into their streaming bundle. And that actually circles back into how we started this, I guess, with media departments and ad buying. <laughs> and who does that? The media team. Exactly. <laughs> so it'll be an interesting uh, interesting challenge for both advertisers and brands to look at going forward and uh, you know, the actual streaming services as well. And hopefully as consumers, we'll, we'll all stand to benefit. Yeah, definitely. All right, well... Thanks for listening, everybody. We'd like to ask that you please subscribe to the podcast. And if yeah, you want to leave a comment, a we'd love to hear what you have to say about it. Um, so yeah, find us on iTunes, find us on SoundCloud, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening.